So I'm pretty annoyed because I read on a forum this morning, or on a Facebook group rather, that the Welsh for jellyfish is piss god wibbly wobbly. Is it? Is it genuinely? No, it's not. I'm really annoyed that someone would tell me such a like a wonderful thing that turns out to be false. <laughs> yeah, you'd swear you're on the internet, man. But like, there's so there's so many like actual good words in Welsh. Like microwave is popty ping. Oh, it's not a popty ping, is it? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the Welsh for jellyfish is then? Uh, oh, I I mean, I, I ascertained this by going to Wikipedia and like finding the Welsh version of the article, which I think is, that's actually a really kind of um, useful way to check things like this by okay. checking the Wikipedia articles in, in other languages. Um, so it's actually something like Slefrin 4. Right, which isn't nearly uh, as good. Uh, what was the what was the uh, the purported word on the Facebook group? Piss God wibbly wobbly. We may have a title for this episode there, right there, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh God, I'm actually I'm actually just going to check Google Translate for a second now because um, see what that directly uh, translates from in Welsh. What Piscot Wobbly Wobbly does, or whatever it's called. No, what Slefren 4 translates oh, as. Oh, okay. Okay, well, apparently Slefren by itself just also means jellyfish. So, hold on. Um, be- and the reason I ask is because, do you know what, uh, do you know what the Irish for jellyfish is? I have zero clue. And this, this is, this is actually accurate, because I remember doing this in school and in Irish college and stuff. The Irish for jellyfish is smuggle rarone. Smuggle rarone. Smuggle rarone. Okay. Which means seal snot. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. What a great name for a jellyfish. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Oh, God, I must find out what, the, what it is in other languages as well. I have no idea what it is in German. Uh, well, I mean, I have the Wikipedia page open. Let's uh, find out. We all know how much you love Googling while doing the podcast. Koala. A koala. Yeah, For Q-U-A-L-L-E. Oh, right. Oh, that's not nearly as exciting. Oh, no, Which, I'm, not, I'm disappointed with you, German. What's tier? In, isn't tier in German something like that? Uh, isn't a tier an animal? No, like the, the German word for the English word tier. Oh, geez, I don't know. You'd swear I was German, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm only basing that on a, on a Rammstein lyric. Um, Alright, okay. How about we move the conversation on from jellyfishes? Jellyfishes? Jellyfish. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I would say jellyfish, do you want, yeah. Do you want to go, go Google that? <laughs> what is the plural of jellyfish? I'll just put in jellyfish wiktionary. Jellyfy. What's your preferred plural for octopus, Edgar? Uh, octopi. Octopi. Yeah. I like octopodes. Oh, I didn't even realise that was a thing. Yeah. I think we can all agree that octopuses is not good. No. No, we don't like that. And then having octopus... Although it's accept- it is acceptable, like, like it is an accepted plural. Yeah, uh, for jellyfish, it's jellyfish or jellyfishes. Oh, right, okay. Oh, no, I like jellyfy. I'm going to stick with jellyfy. <laughs> I'm going to make them a thing. <laughs> uh, I'm really glad we hit record for this. 
I'm I'm very glad that we hit record as well. This is this is a cool little segment. Octopuses, uh, octopodes, or octopi. Yeah, no, the first is awful. I like octopodes. I I don't think uh, I don't think anyone should use octopuses. Right. Well, before we were we started recording, there uh, you heard me have some problems with my headphones. Some problems, yes. So what happened was I was on the bus up to the airport, and. For the, for the listeners who, who haven't followed um, any of this, I was recently in Helsinki. And I got up at like three o'clock in the morning to get the bus up to the airport to fly out to Helsinki. Oh, that's nasty. And sitting there in the airport lounge, I arrived like way too early to board. So I had like two hours before the boarding even opened. So I thought I'd listen to music to pass the time. And I'd gone and left my headphones on the bus. Oh, no. Yeah, and were these oh, but, were these a good pair of headphones? No, they they were like uh, they were twenty quid Sennheisers, so they were okay. Like they they were pretty good quality, but not like studio you know, quality or anything. Yeah, not like uh, wicked expensive, but still kind of annoying. So I was going to du- duty free, and I went to W H Smiths or something, and I bought an identical pair, like literally identical pair, the same color and everything. Right. Um, of the these twenty quid Sennheisers to bring to Helsinki with, so I could listen to music. And then coming home a few days ago, just from being in town, I left them on the bus. Again? Yeah. That's that's terrible, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I've left a camera on a train before. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, and that's like, this isn't like a crappy little camera. Like, this is like a proper Canon. I got it back, which was, which was good. But that could have so easily put a huge dent in my bank account. I'm, I'm really annoyed, though, because I... I I'm usually really good for not losing things. I very, very rarely actually lose stuff. Maybe it was excitement of going to Helsinki, Bill. It threw you completely. No, I think it was because it was five o'clock in the morning when I got there. <laughs> right, okay. And I only slept for like a few hours. Um, and I'd kind of been sleeping on the bus, so I was sort of, you know, trying to wake up and gather all my things. You know, it's, you know at least I didn't leave my boarding pass or passport or something in mind. Oh, I have I have stories on that. I'll, but I'll tell them after uh, you finish your thing. So... For people who are new or for people who have forgotten, you were in Helsinki. Why were you in Hel- in Helsinki? I was going to a conference called Modern Heavy Metal, Markets, Practices and Cultures that was held in the Alto University in Helsinki. So tell us, how did the conference go? Uh, oh, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I mean, I've, I've been to one such metal conference before, or a one-day symposium back when I was in the University of York which got me into the, the whole field. Uh, but this was brilliant. It was ran from Monday night to Friday afternoon. Okay. Monday evening to Friday afternoon. So there was three full days of conference, of, uh, like conference papers and speeches and things. And then a few things on Monday evening starting us off. And then on Friday was a documentary day. So we watched two documentaries about metal. But oh, in wow. between, in the, like, the evenings after the papers were over, there were like gigs and things organized. So oh, I saw cool. some pretty good bands, uh, you know, because I didn't actually get to go to a festival yet this summer, and I probably won't at this stage. So it was nice to see some music while I was away. And on the Thursday night, we did a cruise all around the, the coast, around Helsinki. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yeah, it was amazing. Cool. And Ed, did you discover any new bands that you particularly liked? Um, I did. I discovered a band called Ranger. Ranger? Like a, yeah, Finnish, kind of thrash. I'm into. I'm quite into a band called Goat Whore at the moment. Who've got this like real good um, energy to them and real good kind of uh, production and stuff. Now they're more black metal, but 
there's kind of a bit of a similarity in their in their stage presence and in their 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 kind of energy with the music, kind of a thrash version of that. So. And were these guys at the conference as well? Uh, no, they just played the Tuesday night gig. Okay, all right, cool. And, and I assume you gave your paper at this conference, yes? I certainly did. My uh, paper on Botswana, which I've discussed here a few times. So how did before. that go? It went pretty well. It went pretty well. It got a good reception. I had I had presented on a lot of this stuff before. There was only a, a few new things, and I got some I got some good leads to follow up on. And there were people saying things like, "Oh, you know, this should be the topic of a PhD," which is a, I think a, quite a good thing to hear about your research. Wow, would you ever be interested in pursuing a PhD on the back of that? Um, at some stage, yeah. Now, um, I, I on Sunday at like I flew from Helsinki back to Cork which is in the south of Ireland, for anyone who doesn't know. It's a whole um, separate country. It's not really in Ireland. <laughs> it's like the, the very bo- bottom of the coast, uh, the very south south coast. And I gave it again there at the last day of a conference in uh, the University College Cork. Oh, and you never told me that. Oh, cool. Oh, did I not? Yeah, yeah. No. So I flew like from Helsinki to Cork and had to find my hostel like pretty much at midnight and then get up first thing in the morning to be on the first panel in the, the other conference. So it was wow. Like, Pretty hectic. But I had people saying similar things to me that it would be a good topic for a PhD. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like really stupid because remember I, t- I said before that I thought this idea was crazy. What I f- idea? Uh, the idea of doing the um, metal in Botswana. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I discussed this in the podcast before. When you initially pitched it to me, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was so off the mark. Like, you thought that no one would be interested in it? I just thought it was really difficult to do and, and like, really out there. And I didn't, mm. I didn't really... I suppose I just didn't understand it. So I thought, oh, okay, this this could this could crash and burn. Uh, <laughs> but clearly not. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased. So, uh, yeah, if ever if ever I do go back to uh, do more academia, that's probably uh, looking like a likely topic for me to cover. How, how probable is the going back to academia? Having a clue, man. Having a clue. Okay, is that based on what? Based on, like, cash or based on wanting? Um, Just wanting and, like, you know, all of the other things that I want to do career-wise and, and artistically and, and that sort of thing. Okay. I cannot wait to go back to academia. Oh, you're planning to? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't ever tell you this. Uh, Maybe. All right, okay, well, take a seat here, Bill, and listen to Edgar ramble on. <laughs> uh, I have kind of a three-year plan to get out of where I am now. And back into academia. Okay. Uh, and that involves going to Sweden and studying something to do with astrophysics there. Okay. This is, Yeah, you mentioned Sweden before, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's my... Because I, I like what Sweden is and what it stands for. And its education system is free, which is great. All you need to do is to be able to prove that you can live in Sweden without, like, you know, scrounging off the state. Mm-hmm. Um that's where the three-year plan kicks in because it's going to take me about three years to save enough money to go over there. Okay. So that's the ultimate goal. And I'm, I'm, I cannot wait for the day where I'm on a plane and leaving and going back to college. I love education. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your your paper went down fairly well. Did, were there any other papers that you quite enjoyed? Anything particularly uh, outstanding? Yeah, there was a lot of varied stuff because it's a... You know, metal studies is, is obviously... It's a study of a, a cultural idea, of a cultural object, heavy metal and mm. extreme metal and all that kind of thing. So there's a lot of different approaches to it. You know, it's largely rooted in sociology and anthropology. So there, there was a lot of that kind of thing. But um, there was a few very good papers. There was one from a an, a visual artist, a painter, a guy called Tom, who uh, 
was doing research into battle jackets. So uh, hang on now, what, what, what's a, a battle jacket? You know when you see dudes at gigs, or uh, you see images of guys with the denim jackets covered in patches. Or are they called battle jackets? That's called a battle jacket. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. So he he was really into that, and he was doing a PhD by research of this. So he was like taking a lot of photographs of people's jackets, and then doing paintings of jackets, and then doing paintings of jackets, but with names changed to like reimagine other things. Oh, right. That was really, really interesting. And he did like a study into the, you know, the sort of the folk craft culture of it and how it, it has certain parallels to like biker jackets and military insignia and things. How do you mean folk craft culture? I, I don't understand that. So that it's, 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 it's like folk art. It's not, it's still, it's still art, but it's not, you know, art from a, an art college or a conservatory or anything. It's, it's just a, a folk art. Oh, okay. You know, like like knitting is, or like uh, this podcast's favorite knitting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's 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 a useful item to to illustrate certain things. <laughs> you know, or like maybe you could say like tattoos are in a way. Is a jacket art? Yes, they're making an item. They're making an artistic item. Um, I remember um, years ago someone telling me uh, what is considered to be a definition of art, and that is that the object uh, has to exist for the sole purpose of being artistic and have no other function, which is why you can't call like a car a uh, work of art because it's there to be, you know, it's there to serve a function. It may look pretty, but it's not art. So is that not the same thing with the jacket? Like it's there to like... Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that distinct with that definition, first of all. Oh, really? No. Okay. Absolutely right. not. Absolutely not. All right. Okay. Fair enough. So furniture can't be art. So what can't be art? Furniture. Furniture, yeah, I think under that definition, furniture isn't art. And I would never well, really look at a chair and go like, oh, that's artistic. I'd be like, oh, it's well-crafted and it looks pretty. But I'm not like, that's a work of art. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I recognize a sort of a potential distinction between something that is artistic and something that is crafted. But... Yeah, I think that's what I'm getting at here with this definition, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. And there's still it's still created with artistic processes because the patches have to be sewn on and they're assembled in certain ways and it can still be looked at from a kind of the same way you'd analyse art. So what's not art, Bill? Like, like name something that's not art. Um, like, a spoon can be art. Tree. A tree is not art. But aren't there... like it's, it's a ridiculous question. No, I know, yeah. What is art is, is a terrible question. I know. It's like the same as like, what is music? You know, it's just, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I suppose it is very, very tricky. I don't know, just because it's clothes, I'm kind of like... Sound intentionally arranged with aesthetic intent. Is how you define music. Yeah. That's not bad, actually, isn't it? Uh, so back to Helsinki again. Did you get a chance to go around Helsinki? What did you think of the city? Would you recommend it to anyone who's looking to travel places? I did, I did get a bit of a chance. Now, I didn't get to see everything. Um, I saw quite a lot. And I think a lot of people were saying you can see most of the good things in a few days. Okay. Uh, I arrived there on Sunday night. And I found my hostel pretty quickly. So I, I left my stuff there and I went for a bit of a walk. And I saw the Sibelius Monument. Okay, so I'm, I'm assuming this is just a monument to the composer, yes? A monument to the composer Sibelius, yeah. Which is pretty cool. 
I might like throw up some of my photos on Imager and you can, you can link them in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. That'd be really good. Um, no, I'm not a particularly good photographer, but you can get an idea and you can there are, just Google it or we'll just we'll just <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put them down as holiday pics. Then they don't need to be like particularly artistic photographs. Exactly. Yeah. So the Sibelius monument is, is pretty good. It's like a is this thing that looks kind of like a, a little clump of trees made out of pipe organs, made out of like the or, the pipes from a church organ. All right. Uh, so that's kind of crazy. Is and there- then off to the side, there's. A sort of a blob of metal with Sibelius's, like a, a sculpture of Sibelius's head in it. So he looks like a really cheap Star Trek villain. <laughs> Class. I already like the statue. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool to see anyway. And it's just really pretty that that bit of the of the city is like lots of parks and things. People walk with ski poles. People walk with ski poles? Yeah, they walk around you know, with a ski pole in each hand. W- was it was it snowing? No, no, no. It's high this summer, man. Why it, Why do they have ski poles? I don't know. It's apparently, it's, it's called Nordic walking. You're kidding. And this is a thing that people do, apparently. Huh. Yeah. That, I, I didn't realise this at all. This is And. And. Do you know what I saw that's even better? And apparently they do this in Canada as well. What did you see, Bill? People rollerblading with ski poles. What? Yep. Yeah. So I saw a guy, like, rollerblading uphill, using the ski poles to get him up. That That's that's mental. Like, I, I suppose I can see why uphill is good, you get to have poles. But, like, is Helsinki a, a particularly hilly city? Not really, no. That just seems, like, like cumbersome. <laughs> like, why bring extra stuff with you on your commute to work, you know? I guess they're keeping up the, like, ski pole as a physical skill while it's the summer so you know they can they don't get rusty in how to use them oh that's mental and crazy that is really really crazy and was this the vast majority of people doing this oh no 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 like you'd see it maybe with the same frequency that you'd see people going for a jog in dublin maybe a bit less okay but still pretty notable wow that's amazing yeah. that's really cool and anything else about city uh well on the first day so that was what i did on the sunday night and I noticed all these people with the ski poles. Uh, on the Monday morning, I got up early and I went down to the harbour and I got a ferry to Swimmenlina. And you're going to have to explain what and where that is. Swimmenlina is a fortress built on a little group of islands just off, just off the coast of Helsinki. Oh, boom, now we're talking. How is the fortress? Class. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. You get a ferry out there. It takes about 15 minutes. Um, and it's part of the, like, integrated public transport system. So you can, you know, get your ticket for the day, get a bus or a train or a tram, and then get the ferry out to this fortress. Brilliant. That's really yeah. cool. Really cool. Scandinavia, man. It's brilliant. Uh, Scandinavia really is the best place. It really is. Or actually, um, technically, technically, you weren't really in Scandinavia, man. I 100% was. You were in, you were in an area called Fenelscandia, according to CGB Grey. CGP Grey can say whatever he wants. <laughs> but apparently... I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Finns consider themselves Scandinavian, but not Nordic. Apparently, though, the, uh, what you call it, the, 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 like, the peninsula, the Scandinavian peninsula, is called Fennoscandia. And I think, what what did he say? When you include Denmark in the distinction, it becomes Scandinavia. And then if you include the others, like Iceland, it becomes the Nordic countries. I can't remember exactly what the video said, but I found that really interesting. Fennoscandia. Hmm. But anyhow, that's an aside. So, uh, tell us about this fortress. 
So Svonlina is a fortress that was built by the Swedes in the late 1700s, mostly by a guy called um, Eresvard, I think. Oh, just him on his own. Carl Eresvard or Gustav Eresvard. Well, no, he was he was the <laughs> leader of it. He was like the uh, general or the admiral in charge or the marshal or whatever. I, I am well aware that one cannot build a fortress single-handedly. Not outside of Minecraft. Not outside of Minecraft. Even then, you sometimes need other people. Um, and it's, so it's built on this group of uh, a few interconnected islands. And it's just really, really cool. So you get the ferry out there. And there's all these old buildings. Um, there's a military museum. There's a m- museum inside a submarine, which is pretty great. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. There's a toy museum. We didn't get to go into the toy museum. There's Wait, hold on. Ba- back to the sub for a second. I assume this sub is not submerged. No, no, no. It's, okay. it's, it's up on the beach. Aw. Submerged would be cool. Uh, it would be. There's a, a lovely old kind of church on top of a hill, which is also a lighthouse. That's pretty great. Oh, and cool. And then you can, just, you can just wander around the island. There's these sort of cliff walks. And there's no um, ropes or safety barriers or anything. It's just a sign saying, risk of falling. So kind of, you know, if you do this, <laughs> it's your own fault. <laughs> Brilliant. That's great. For part of it, there's like these beaches. And above the beaches, there's uh, artillery batteries. Oh, wow. That's like pointing out into the Baltic Sea. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. When, I think they probably date from like the Second World War, thereabouts. Maybe the First World War. Yeah, well, one of the Great Wars, obviously, yeah. Yeah, one of, one of them. And there's just loads of uh, little restaurants and things on it. It's really pretty as well. Like, there's all these, you know, fortifications and stuff, but the, the walks are really, really pretty. And I saw a hare. Like as in the animal, the rabbit type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right, is this a, a particularly amazing thing in Bill's life? Well, it's like, you know, you don't see hares very often. I mean, I see rabbits a lot more frequently than I see hares. So it's What's the distinction? Nice. One's well, bigger. Isn't a hare much bigger? Hair is bigger and hares run. They don't hop. Oh, so I probably haven't seen a hare then. I know I've seen rabbits. Oh, yeah, um, you see rabbits all the time. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I may not have seen a hare. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they're, they're bigger and this one was kind of lean looking. Apparently, that's the main pest animal in, in Helsinki. Oh, really? Yeah, so instead of it being stray cats or feral dogs or, you know, swarms of rats or anything. They just have too many hairs. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, I know. It's a much cuter problem to have. Than, Isn't it? You know, rabid terriers. We have, around our house now, we we've, uh, have a slight uh, weasel problem. Really? Lots of weasels. Or Now, they, they could be um, what they call stouts. Stoats. Stoats. You know, there's a couple of weasel-looking things. I yeah. don't really know that much about Various weasels. things from the family Mustelidae. Did you know that, or are you Googling? No, I knew that. In any case, in any case. Yeah, so I don't know the difference between weasels or stouts, whatever, but there is... Stoats. Stoats, sorry. Uh, but there is a lot of those animals around now, and I, I don't know why. It seems like it's the first year. It's crazy. I, I know there's there's mink in various places in Ireland, but I don't know if they've ever been, like, wild, because they're not native. So I wonder if they're, like, escaped mink. Are mink, yeah, are mink also shaped like weasels and whatever? Yeah. Okay, so then it could well be mink as well, because I was told that these things are vicious and you shouldn't go near them. Mm. Oh, minks Minks are absolutely vicious, yeah. Yeah, so perhaps it was mink. I, I I don't know. They're quite cool looking yolks from a distance, like. Yeah. I wouldn't go near them. In fact, I don't usually tend to go near very many animals. I hate animals. Really? Oh, they're just, because it's nature, man. Like, what? Oh, I don't like nature, really. <laughs> and the outdoors and all these things that'll give me diseases and kill me. <laughs> 
It's awful. Um, so anyhow, so back to Helsinki, right? So we did the fortress. We we uh, we went to the statue. We had a conference. We gave a paper. We listened to other good papers. We went to some gigs. All was well in the world. Did you perhaps um, manage to go to a supermarket? I did. You were in a supermarket. I was. Great. And in this supermarket, was there like a confectionery section? There certainly was, Edgar. There certainly was. And did you like stop for a moment in the confectionery section and think of your dear friend, Edgar? Yes. You did. And in this confectionery section, while thinking of your dear friend, Edgar, what did there happen to be some licorice? And in particular, a certain type of licorice called Salmiak. There certainly was. Oh, was there really? Yeah, I have here two little packets of Pudukumi Salmiaki. F*** off. <laughs> I was just doing this to, like, call you out and make you feel embarrassed and air. You genuinely bought me licorice. Yeah. Oh, bro, you're a good guy. No, n- not a lot. Like, I just kind of I grabbed some on the first day because I saw it and then I didn't think much more of it. But, yeah, I've got a little bit here. Oh, that's amazing. And it's proper Salmiak. Like, it's not like the crappy licorice we get over here. Well, it says salmiaki on us, so... Brilliant. Oh, Bill, you're so good. How do do I get it off you? You live, like, 200 miles away. I don't know, and I still have to give you your Christmas present, so... You have a Christmas present? For me? I told you that. Oh, I don't remember what happened last week, to be fair. Yeah, well, I told you this at New Year's, which was the last time I saw you, so... That's that's way more than a week ago, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're not wrong. I must must maybe come up to uh, Castle Bill. I'd yeah. pick up and I'm raid through his stock of uh, Edgar-related goods. Your various gifts for my my travels. Oh, like genuinely, thank you so much. Uh, for the listeners, uh, you can find various licorice-related uh, comments through the various artifacts places on the internet. I really like licorice. It is one of my favourite sweets. In Ireland, uh, we have terrible licorice. Not nice licorice at all. On the continent, in continental Europe, you can buy a thing called Salmiak, which is like this super salty licorice, and it is delicious. It's easily my favourite thing ever. And so when Bill went away, I jokingly said, can you please pick me up some? Not expecting anything. And he actually did it. Isn't he a great guy, listeners? Isn't he just? <laughs> right, anyhow, anything else to add on Helsinki then? Um, you know how I'm very interested in form as a composer? Yes. And this, like my, my whole thing is like how you present ideas and the order things are presented in is very important to the shape of music. Mm-hmm. And you know, like if you put the, you know, the the big final chorus of a song, you know, the big drama bit at the start, the song would be terrible because it would, you know, it'd be in the wrong order. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, things like that. There was a paper on um, what was called terminal climactic forms in rock music or in in heavy metal music. And this is a term that was invented by a rock critic a few years ago. And he said it was this was a thing that happened, you know, in the 60s and early 70s and then didn't really happen in the 70s and 80s. So in popular musics, form is usually verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Yes. These are songs that undercut that. So you might have verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then something completely different happening at the end. Or you might have a sort of rhapsodic form that doesn't have repeating sections. Okay. Uh, or then there's uh, totally other things as well. It's like things that are utterly crazy that are very difficult to, to find the form at all. Um, so all of these would be terminal climactic forms under this um, paper's definition. 
I don't understand the, the words terminal climatic. Climactic. Like terminal as in it ends, and climactic kind of also as an ending, and it's subverting the expectations of the form. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got it. No, I'm kind of, I'm extemporizing the explanation here. It makes a lot more sense when you read it in the paper. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is the thing that I'm very interested in, you know, as a listener and as a composer. And I've had this thing for a couple, for about a year now, maybe, that I w- I've wanted to write about this with regards to Pantera. Because I think a lot of Pantera songs do this. They end with new material. Oh, yeah. No, there is a couple of, yeah, yeah, you're right. You've noticed that, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Their, like, en- their endings are definitely non-standard, yeah. There's like a, an outro riff, which will be unrelated to the other riffs. Yeah. Um. And actually, it's noted in the in the appendices for this paper that as, as a band that do do this. So that was pretty interesting. And it obviously touched, as I said, on a lot of things that, that uh, I care about in music that I write and music that I listen to. And the guy who gave the paper was also a composer. Oh, very cool. So we had a lot of a lot of very good chats about um about various things. Like like a composer of like uh, contemporary classical music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. In your own writing, do you have any form that you particularly like to play with? What do you find interesting? Um. Or are you very much still finding your way and trying to find something that you really identify with? It's something that I I think about, but I don't think about with kind of that level of specificity or, or reference to existing patterns necessarily. It's just that I like to be very clear on what the material is and when, what order material is presented in and when new ideas enter, how the audience will perceive them. Okay, right. So you care a lot about form, but you're not really that interested sitting around thinking about how to define what it is you're doing. Yeah, I'm not really that interested in saying... in, in analyzing my own use of form i use like i'll do it a bit to help me write the piece but you know it's i'm that's up to musicologists yeah i was just about to say we gotta (laughs) we gotta leave something for future musicologists to be baffled by exactly this is true true. i mean i i do i do think about it to an extent like i've you know my prelude and fugue uh i do yes yeah the fugue is written to quite strict fugal rules yeah, 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 of course, yeah. But fugue implies form anyways, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. what I mean. I'm using a form there. My horn concerto is, the first movement is broadly in a sort of a rondo form. Okay, all right. Oh, wow. I didn't realize, I knew you had a thing for form, but I didn't realize you, you thought about it this much. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's, it's a large concern of mine. In in my writing, I, I didn't really think about form too much at all. <laughs> It just wasn't my thing. Uh, I was more interested in like um, pitch structures and using them to perhaps define form. But then again, I was never that good a composer. So, you know, I don't know. You were, man. I was. I'm sure you still are. Mediocre at best. Mediocre at best. Anyhow. um, So do we have anything else to add to this wonderful Helsinki trip? Um, It's expensive. Is it? Compared to yeah. Ireland, Ireland's like the most expensive country in the world. Like, it's ridiculous. No, it isn't, man. I, that's, that's, okay, that's an exaggeration, but it's very expensive here. Not compared to Scandinavia. Really? Nope. Oh, I looked up housing prices for, for Sweden, rental prices. And now, I didn't spend many, many hours, like, you know, looking. But uh, the, the initial impression I got was that they were, they came in, like, a little bit under what it is we pay in Ireland. Food is very expensive there. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's not great. 
Guess how much I paid for a pint of stout. Okay, all right. Um, so assuming it's expensive, obviously, you said it is. So maybe, okay, I'll give you a crazy number, like €9. Euro. 9.40. 9.40. That, that's, that's very, that's very steep. Yeah. That's very steep. Now that was, it was in kind of a, a reasonably expensive bar and it was a reasonably expensive stout, but still, that's a lot for a pound of stout. That is a lot. Compared to what is it uh, here, it's like, what is it? Four, four, nine, five? Uh, it depends. Like, Usually around a fiver. I think, yeah, I think Guinness is just under the fiver. Um, so that, that is quite expensive. Very expensive. Do you know how much beer is in America? Pretty cheap. Is it pretty cheap? Like, much yeah. cheaper than here? I think so. Do people drink Guinness in America? Is this a thing? I seem to always have this image of Americans just drinking, like, pale beers. Um, they they do a bit, yeah. Okay. All right. I think. Man, I'd love to go to the States someday. i got to get myself to the States. You know, when when, when Artifaction gets really big, when I go to VidCon, it would be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, is that never going to happen. But anyways... <laughs> So, Bill, while you were off gallivanting around Fenoscandia, <laughs> uh, I was busy at home uh, having my mind blown. Were you? I was. Uh, one of my videos, The Object, the short story by Eric Lang, mm-hmm. uh, got featured on the front page of the videos subreddit. Yes. Which was really, really cool. And I think that was probably the highlight of what happened to me since we last spoke. That's really good, man. Yeah, it was epic. It was really cool. I I was looking through my... I'm a bit of a stats nerd. I love looking at stats. So very often, if I have nothing to do, I'll just go onto the analytics side of the YouTube channel and just look at stats and monitor them. (laughs) And also, YouTube gives you a real-time function where you can see the views coming in in real-time, which is just so addictive. So I was looking at this, and then I noticed, I was like, this is... Like, the object was getting very, very high views for what I was used to. And I was like, huh, this is really strange. So I, I talked to, I tweeted Eric, the author of The, the Object. And I was like, um, did you get featured anywhere? And then he was like, um, not, not that I know of. Let me check. And then he went off and checked and came back. And then he was like, no. And I was like, yeah, I just checked. I didn't get featured anywhere anyways. And then we're like, huh. And then we spent a good maybe half an hour like searching the interweb for uh, anything anomalous. Uh, and we couldn't put our fingers on it. And the views were still flooding in. So then I was like, just really flippantly, I was like, Asher, I might as well check Reddit. You never know. And then it was there on videos. It was crazy. Nice. Yeah, it was really, really cool. I will say, though, I feel a little bit bad. Why? Because so far, the video has gotten just over 50,000 views. Wow. Yeah, which in my book is just like, that. that's that's unheard of. I mean, Your most viewed video then, is it? Oh, by, by a long shot. Like, the next one is the one that got featured on Vsauce 2. And mm-hmm. that's at 13,000 views. Right. So it's a good bit more. So after, like, it had kind of calmed down, I, I tweeted Eric again and was like, are you getting any traffic on your site? And then he was like, nope, none. So, I f- oh. yeah, I feel really bad because I feel like <laughs> almost like I'm freebooting his material because he, he wrote the story, he narrated the story, and all I did was drew silly pictures and I get, like, you know, the internet coming over to my page. So if anyone, the people who are listening... If you haven't already done so, please go and check Eric Lang's stuff out. I'll throw a link in the show notes. His stories are great. And if it was up to me, I would probably animate every single one of them. Like, they are awesome. 
So please do, because it'll make me feel an awful lot better. Uh, and I apologise profusely, Derek. I was like, dude, I'm so, so sorry. There's <laughs> yeah, nothing much you can do about that, though. You know, that's just the... When you when you collaborate this way, it, it, it can go either way, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, like, people, people aren't great at clicking through. Yeah. And that's not like, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying these people who came over from Reddit are bad. It's just that, you know, you you click on what it is you see, you know? Like they see. Yeah, it's just the nature of the medium. It's the nature of the medium, exactly. So I do want to implore people to go over and check his stuff out. Uh, he has a relatively new story out, which is great. It's, it's either about a zombie apocalypse or Twitter. <laughs> which is, it's just awesome. I loved it. It was so good. So please do check him out. Um, zombies, something I'm very, very fond of. Uh, everyone loves a good zombie, you know? A I zo- think a lot of people think that they're kind of played out at this stage, but I don't care. I just, I just think they're, I think they're such good story ideas. Mm. I think so too. The only thing zombie related I don't like is The Walking Dead. What don't you like about The Walking Dead? It's so, so, so dull. I think so. Uh, I think so. I, now, in fairness, I stopped watching, I think, in season three. I think I just had enough of it. It was like, it was a zombie show without any zombies and a ton of farming. Like, lots of people were farming and standing over fences having discussions with one another. And I was like, like, I get this. I get, you know, like the whole, like, narrative of how society plays out in a zombie apocalypse. But, like, I'm here for the zombies, people. Like, give me the zombies. Oh, man. The end of that season. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, this might be true. I've had a lot of people say like, oh, you know, when they go to that prison place or whatever, it gets really cool. But I'm like, I really don't want to sit through like like the guts of three seasons in order to get the payoff of what is promised on the tin, if you know what I mean. My, my issue with The Walking Dead is, well, first of all, the women in it are useless for so long. Oh, yes, this is true. I remember that, yeah. They're just, there's like really, there's no good female characters for ages in it. Um, they, they take way too long to be badass. Right, right. And the other thing, like, a lot of the time, the bad guys, I kind of agree with the bad guys up until the point where they just decide to do this one really evil thing. Is that not a positive point, no? No, because they're so right, and the good guys are like being stupid and oh, impractical right. about everything. And then... The bad guys are like, oh, well, no, it would make a lot more sense if we did this, but also I want to kill you and take everything you have. Or also, I, you know, I need to have your wife. Or <laughs> there's like, there's a, there's a really bad example in the first half of season five. I haven't watched the second half of season five yet, but there's a really, really bad example. And I'm like, why, like, why would you have everything running perfectly and then like spoil it with this one incredibly evil thing that you're doing? Yeah. Very frustrating to watch. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, well, I found it frustrating to watch as well, um, for different reasons. So it, I don't think it's something I'll be re- revisiting, especially because I'm right in the middle of watching another really frustrating TV show. What's that? Voyager. <laughs> Edgar, right, let's bring back the Star Trek section here, okay? Edgar has finished Deep Space Nine. What did you think of Deep Space Nine? Deep Space Nine, in my opinion, and I am really sorry, internet, please don't send me hate mail or anything, is much better than The Next Generation. And that's really controversial to say, but I love Deep Space Nine. It is, Deep Space Nine is really good. It is really, really good. There's there's problems with it. Like, um, one big problem is that it takes about four seasons to get going. 
you reckon? Yeah, yeah. No, when when um when Worf and the Defiant show up, it gets really good. But right. before that, it really struggles to find its feet. And then the last half, no, the first half of the last season, season seven, is is pretty dodgy. Right. Yeah, it's not great. And there's a few dodgy characters in Deep Space Nine that aren't great. Uh, but overall, it's wonderful. And it blends like religious teams with sci-fi. I mean, it, it even gets a bit kind of like magic-y. Like when they have like those jewels of magic energy and it's just so good. And then each of the races, they don't fulfill their stereotypes. And by the end of it, they branch out and break out from what a Klingon is and what a Ferengi is. It's just beautiful. Okay, that's interesting because that's one of my kind of problems with a lot of sci-fi and fantasy is these sort of homogenous races. You know, all elves are the same, all Twi'lek are all the same or whatever. That's good yeah. to see that in, in DS9, they, they expanded a little. Yeah, I won't spoil it for anyone, uh, but it pr- pretty much everything you think you know about a race gets destroyed by the end of it. And you're made to really... Good. Yeah, it's really good. And you're made to rethink the entire like universe. It's really good. And then also, what happens to Cisco at the end is great. Uh, and again, I'm not going to spoil it. So if you haven't watched it, watch Deep Space Nine. It is great. And then don't do what I did and then immediately go on to Voyager. <laughs> because I literally, the same night I finished the last episode of Deep Space Nine, I was like, oh, okay, it's not bedtime yet. I'll watch Voyager. And oh my God, is it so frustrating and really, really tedious. I'm not a fan. Yeah, um, we've talked about this before. I think I've talked on the podcast before. I'm not, I'm not a big... Not, how far are you into it? I am about midway through season two. Have Have you noticed what I've been saying about how there's only a few episodes? And oddly enough, not. No. Okay. Like, I, every time there is one of those episodes, I was like, oh, this is the medical emergency episode. But at no point was I kind of going, oh, here we go again. Hmm. My problem is more that it's it's just not original. Like, there's nothing new about it. Like, it's it's the original series in the Delta Quadrant. Right. You know, they all go around, they explore, they explore a new thing every episode. And, yeah, it's the same thing. And, like, Tuvok, Tuvok is just a Spock analog. Mm-hmm. Like, and down, like, and precisely an analog. Like, the fa- his facial movements are exactly Spock. And his yeah. delivery is exactly Spock. You know, if you're going to have another Vulcan, play him a little bit differently. Like, there, there's things I did like about it. I actually quite like Janeway. I was just about to say, Janeway, I think, is a good character, yeah. J- Janeway's a good captain. And I like, um... Is it Ensign Kim? Uh, yes, he's uh, the guy on Ops. Yeah, he has the gold gold uniform. Yeah, and yeah. he plays the clarinet. He's a jazz clarinetist. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, there you yeah. go. Ah. Um, you see that later on. And at the time when I was watching uh, Voyager, I was quite into the clarinet, so. So you bonded with Ensign Kim? A little bit. A little bit. Um, and I like, there's kind of some good tensions at the start, like in the in the first season, between the Maquis members of the crew and the Starfleet members of the crew. Yeah, I thought that was very good. Without that, that defuses quite quickly. Yeah. Now, you see, this is another one of my problems. Any sort of conflict they set up, it seems to just go away so fast. Yeah. Like, within about three episodes, I felt like that the Voyager crew were perfectly happy to be 70,000 light years away. <laughs> like, like there was no there was no real... Like, it was mentioned in dialogue. Like, Janeway would say, oh, the crew is struggling. But you don't see it. Like, we're told it, but you don't see it. Yeah. 
which is which I think is awful because there's so much to be exploited there. You know, like the idea of loneliness and being mm. stranded and how you cope with that. But everyone is all happy-go-lucky within three episodes, and you're like, Jesus, Voyager. And that that has been done well. I mean, like uh, Battlestar Galactica does that well. Like you see. In a very real way, you see the um, the problems people have. Yeah, like those people, like they look exhausted and world weary, yeah. and they you can tell that this is not what they want. But Voyager's like, oh my god, look, there's a cloud of space dust. Let's go off and investigate that. Yay, guys! Exactly. Like, oh, oh no, oh Jesus! And I think I think even Stargate Universe did it okay. I've never seen Stargate. That's the next up after all the Trek. I I have mixed feelings about Stargate. Some of it's really good. There's one really good storyline in the the like in SG One around season four or five, I think. But um, I kind of I'm not I'm not hugely keen on it overall. I, I've been told by a friend of mine that uh, SG One, he in his opinion, is one of the greatest things ever. So it's it's got a big fan base, all right. Yeah, so I'm holding out hope for that because mm-hmm. like people usually uh, rate Voyager way above Enterprise. So if I don't like Voyager, I'm not going to like Enterprise. <laughs> so I'm really hoping SG-1 after that is going to be good, like. And are you going to watch all the films as well? Uh, possibly, possibly. I don't know. Um, we'll see. I, I have to, like, do some time management on this because there's a lot to watch. And a lot to rewatch as well. Because ideally I'd like to rewatch uh, Battlestar Galactica. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, you know, another chunk of it. And then if they bring out the new Star Trek, whenever that's going to happen, like, that's automatically going to take over. Uh, from the list of watching, so... Another series or another film? Another series. Oh, is there a plan for another Star Trek series? Yeah, I'm not going to say too much about this because uh, I'm not that well informed. From what I see is that uh, some fan wrote some fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think, is it, is it Paramount? Uh, I can't remember the studio. Decided this is actually quite good and they've called them in for talks on setting up a new series. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and one point I remember is that I think it's going to be galaxy galaxy agnostic. So it's not in the Milky Way, apparently. It's, it's just meant to be in a generic uh, galaxy. Okay, so it'll be like a, a different canon. Could well be. I don't know much about it at all. This is all of, all of what I just said is based off one article. And we all know how, famous in, how famously the internet it misrepresents everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know much about it. Apparently there's plans for a new one. If that comes out, that's going to take precedence over everything else I need to watch on my list. Of course, yeah. But I am going to hold out hope for Voyager. I'm going to stick true because, like I said, you, most Star Trek series, with the exception of the, of the original series, take a couple of seasons to get going. Uh, and I want to check out Seven of Nine and her story arc. Yeah. Before I even consider quitting. So I'm, I'm going to be in it at least until season four, because she's in four. Um. So, yeah. So there you go. Didn't like Voyager. Still going to stick at it, because I am a masochist. And you have to wait around for Species 8472 as well. Uh, what is Species? What is that? They're just a, a kind of a cool alien. Okay, cool. Don't say too much. I don't want any spoilers. I've, I've, I've mentioned them once before on the podcast, so this isn't a spoiler if I say it. They... They're the, the species that have five sexes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're talking about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's another thing to look forward to. I'm hoping Voyager picks up. I want to like Voyager. I want to like all Star Trek, Bill. But it's making it, it's making it very, very difficult now. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, that was, that's us. We were, uh, Bill was away uh, on his travels in academia. I was behind my laptop um, sorting out the wonderful fallout from what happened with Reddit. 
And yeah, that, that's pretty much us, I think, is it? That is us. Edgar, can I pick up on something you said there? On oh. a single word that you said? Oh God, okay, yes, go for it. Do you know what word that is? Uh, no. Fallout. Fall- <laughs> Do you want to talk some Fallout? I'm really excited, Edgar. Alright, go on, talk a little bit of Fallout. Uh, well, you lived with me for a while. Yes, yes, you did like Fallout. And I really like Fallout. <laughs> and so E3 is just over in the last few days, I think. Yep. Um, Very exciting. About, about two weeks ago, they released the trailer for... Oh, no, about about three weeks ago, they released the trailer for Fallout 4, which is mm. going to come out in November. And at E3, they had gameplay footage and a lot of information about it. And I'm super excited. Does it look good? Looks real good. It looks real, real good. For anyone who doesn't know... Fallout is a series set in uh, the United States after a nuclear war. I think the first one is like a hundred and something years after the nuclear war. And now they're up to about 200 odd years. Okay. And there's been uh, kind of, I suppose, four games in the main sequence, four or five games in the main sequence, depending how you look at it. And it's got all this lore and backstory built up over that time. And it's got this really interesting aesthetic, which is the idealism of, like, 1950s McCarthyite America, but with advanced technology. So all the cars still look like, you know, from Back to the Future. You know, when they go yeah, back yeah. to <laughs> when they go back to the 50s and Back to the Future, the cars look like that, but they're powered by little fusion reactors. Oh, that's really cool. I've never played it, so that, that sounds really cool. Yeah. It, it runs on the same game engine as Skyrim, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the current developers are Bethesda. Just as a slight tangent, and you can go back to talking Fallout after this, um, did E3 mention anything about um, Skyrim? No, they're they're working on on Fallout instead of the Elder Scrolls at the moment. Okay, I I could really do with a new Skyrim. Um, Because my my Skyrim is broken. Oh, yes, I remember. I've played so much that I can't, like, when I load up the game, and, like, it goes in-world, so to speak, if I take one step forward, the whole thing just crashes. Like, it's awful the lag is sucks man yeah it's awful the lag is huge and annoying and essentially it's unplayable so i could do with a new uh, elder scrolls thing but anyhow fallout so yeah that's that's probably a good example of the kind of thing we're talking about a lot with world building um you know it doesn't tie itself down to any notion of scientific accuracy it's built a lot on kind of pulp science fiction ideas of the 1950s about what science would be like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you can die, you can get radiation poisoning from too much radiation, or it might turn you into a ghoul. <laughs> yeah, scientifically accurate. <laughs> yeah. You know, and lasers and plasma weapons and everything. And they do some interesting things with, you know, how the how the world would, like, what would happen afterwards and how the societies rebuild themselves and history repeating and things like that. See, that stuff so, uh, would appeal to be way more than the kind of, like, lasers and ghouls. Well, I mean, you know, lasers and ghouls, it's just, you know, that's just flavour. I mean, you can you, you could build a pretty good game with that, just as you can with, like, Draugur and crossbows. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they don't get crossbows in Skyrim until the expansion pack. But anyway, um... I would recommend it. I would. I would definitely recommend it. I will. Pro- I'll, I'll probably buy it. I reckon. Um, mm-hmm. Along with, along with, Final Fantasy VII. Yes. Now, I I'm really really excited about Final Fantasy VII. 
because this is this was like the ch- the game of my childhood. It was mm-hmm. awesome. I wasted so many hours of my childhood playing this game. They weren't wasted. They were yeah, they weren't wasted exactly. They just all went into this disc that now no longer exists. Um, <laughs> but uh, what you call it? The um yeah, I'm gone re- but not forgotten. Gone but not forgotten. I'm really excited, but uh I'm filled with huge trepidation. Why is that? Because everything I've revisited in my 20s from my childhood, I just don't like as much anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, like, uh, another great game from my childhood was Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. Like, I love X. And then I replayed it again last year, the remastered version for the PS3. And it just, it, it wasn't as epic as I remember. It wasn't as oh, big. Yeah, and it's because, it probably is because, like, in the eyes of, like, an, like a nine-year-old or whatever, you know, a game that takes, I don't know, 60 hours to complete feels like a lifetime, you know? Yeah. Whereas 60 hours for someone in their 20s is nothing. It's a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing at all. Um, so my worry is that they're going to remake it and I'm just going to, it's not going to live up to what I have in my head. And that's one worry. Another worry is that they'll try and mess with it. Yeah. That's a big worry. Like they really should just, just, just this, the exact same game except with super graphics. Like, don't try and add in stuff. Don't try and change stuff. The game is, like, borderline perfection. There's so much, like, expanded universe for Final Fantasy VII already. Oh, is there? Do people have people expanded it? Yeah, yeah. There's, like, loads of extra... There's loads of other games following other characters, and there's Advent Children. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Advent Children? Yeah, I've seen it. It was very unremarkable. Boy, it's silly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it didn't, it hasn't even registered really with me. It's not a thing that I really know much about. There's a few things I remember, mostly in the, um, because I think you have to like really know the lore to make sense of it, uh, which I don't. I mean, I played, I played Final Fantasy VII as a kid, but that's that's about it. So it's it's the the visuals and the kind of the the over the topness of the of the combat. Like, how, at the end, Cloud essentially has this, like, uses his limit break. But, it's you know, it's it's on screen and you're not in control of it. So it's just really weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, his his sword splits into seven different swords which hang in midair as he uses each one of them in turn. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember not being too thrilled about that, um, that film. But there you go. Let, let's hope they don't mess it up. Let's hope they don't mess it up. Let's hope. There's a lot coming up that could be messed up. Like, I don't want to get into it, but Star Wars uh, is another thing that I have great hopes for. Mm-hmm. But it could so easily just be another train wreck. Yeah. You know, so I... Like, this could turn into a very eventful year or two. Um, or it could just be an absolute disaster. Well, George Lucas is involved, but not in charge. Which I think is probably the ideal situation. Yeah, no, that's true. But they also have Abrams doing it. Oh yeah, and we J.J. Abrams. God, we do lo- we do know that Abrams has an old taste for the lens, flare- lens flares, and that could like yeah. it, he could butcher things with his lens flares. He doesn't calm down. Like Star Trek being a good point. Like Star Trek is hideous. I can't remember which movie it was that Abrams did, but that one. Oh, he did Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, he did two. Yeah, but they're all they're disgusting. Like they're just not good. But actually, here's another thing. I, I guess we are talking about Star Wars then. <laughs> the the next Star Wars, after the one that's due to come out in uh, December. Right. As far as I know, that's going to be directed by Ryan Johnson. Yes. Of Brick 
fame. Of brick. I know. <laughs> I know, right? When I seen that, I was like, no, this isn't the same Ryan Johnson that Bill like loves. But yeah, no, it's the same dude. So that's going to be really interesting. Ryan Johnson, who directed Brick and that one episode of Breaking Bad that everyone hates, but I love. Oh, the episode with the fly. Yeah. Oh, no, it's the worst episode in Breaking so Bad. So good. No, man, you're so wrong. I'm so sorry. I remember watching that and being like, wait a minute. Someone's ran out of storyline and this is a whopper of a filler. I love it. I must watch it again. Even before I knew it was him, I just remember watching it and like the, the tension between the two guys. I, I just thought it was marvellous. Uh, I'll, I'll try and watch it again, but I wasn't impressed the first time around. <laughs> um, and the other thing, my other worry about, well, I suppose, you know, you're not really wrecking the le- a legacy in the same way here, but J.J. Uh, Abrams' Star Trek movie is uh, misogynistic trash as well. So... I would like if the new Star Wars film wasn't, you know, quite as terrible to women yeah. as the Star Trek movie was. Yeah, like, again, there's a lot that can go very, very wrong with the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's hoping that it, it does not happen. But, oh, actually, just just in case anyone uh, doesn't know about this, uh, Ryan Johnson, okay, he directed a film called Brick, which Bill introduced to me, uh, or introduced me to it, uh, in college, and it is a fantastic film. Like probably my favorite movie. Yeah, and it's up there with my favorite movies as well. It is it is glorious. It's it's like a, a it's like a neo noir set in this really bizarre high school world. And the dialogue is great. Like the camera work is great. Everything about mm. it is wonderful. The aesthetics is great because it's all kind of like it's high school in the US, but it's all very very slightly kind of vintage. Yeah, like the dialogue is, it's very kind of rapid fire and quite quiet. And it's its inspired by those like old sort of the Shiel Hammett, I think the guy was called. Yeah. Those movies, it, those original noir films. It's hard, it, it's hard boiled mumblecore, I think is what one person described it as. Yeah. And it has those um, stock characters from a high school movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it has, it has the jock and the drama girl and everything, but it's not camp at all. Like there's no, there's no... It's not tongue-in-cheek or anything. It's just dark. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's really dark. And this is... It kind of does the opposite of Voyager, right? Like, it should be silly, right? Like, I shouldn't feel anything, like, any sort of danger or fear when watching Brick because of its setup, but I do. Whereas Voyager mm. is in a setup where I should feel danger and fear, but I don't. Yeah. You know? Um, so everyone should... Like, I str- I'll throw links in the sh- uh, show notes to this. Strongly recommend watching this film. It is like incredibly awesome I can't recommend it highly enough because both of us have been fairly busy Mm -hmm. you've been away I've been uh, doing analytics for ages we didn't really have time to prepare a proper segment so I thought today would be the perfect opportunity to talk about like distancing artifacts from the minute physics aesthetic can can we say that again without without saying that it isn't a proper topic? Because it's perfectly valid. I, think. Well, no, I don't think no, we should be putting ourselves down. No, no. I, I, let's just say no. I don't think we need to say it again. It's just not a a prepared topic. This is just us talking about the channel. Fair enough. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with not preparing. Like, podcasts in by nature are usually unprepared. They're just two dudes talking. Okay, doke. Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't render it invalid or anything. But anyhow, so. The reason, one of the reasons why I want to speak about this, well, there's two reasons. One is that I kind of set up this podcast to eventually have this discussion. Right. Because it allows me to speak at length about the channel. 
Uh, and the second thing is, because of the, uh, it, my video going kind of really well on Reddit, I had a lot of comments, and a few of them, actually quite more than a few, were kind of like, this guy is trying really hard to be Minute Physics. <laughs> which, which I get is a fair criticism. So I thought today, Bill, we'd have a little discussion around uh, how to distance artifacts from Minute Physics. Okay, dog. Okay, so... What do you know of Minifysics? You know it's a YouTube channel, yes? I know it's a YouTube channel. Um, and as such, it makes videos. <laughs> it does uh, make videos. <laughs> I'm assuming it's often going to be about sort of physics topics. Yes, so Minifysics is a physics channel, yes. And it has sort of semi-animated with like uh, stick figures and such. Right, so almost identical to Artifact Scene. Yes. Yes. Similar. Very, very similar. Like, I, Artifact Scene is based on a um, a video that Henry Reich, the creator of Minifysics, made. Right. He talked through how he sets up his channel, and I would not be doing YouTube without that video because I wouldn't have a clue how to start filming. Mm-hmm. So because of that, Artifact Scene is very Minifysics in, in aesthetic. You watched a video this morning, a Minifysics video, yes? I did. Okay, I'll link this in the show notes if people want to watch along. What do what did you think of the aesthetics? Is there anything that popped out to you as being like way different from Artifact Scene or very, very, very similar? Or anything like that? I mean, it was not it wasn't very different. It was broadly similar, but I wouldn't have said it was identical. Okay, what do you think some of the distance uh, differences were? It's drawn differently. Like it's the stick figures aren't the same. Like they, they <laughs> it just it isn't. You can tell it isn't the same artist. It isn't. Yeah, you can tell it's not the same artist. Uh, but it still is the same production technique. If you know what I mean. He mm-hmm. he uses a little bit more flashy stuff than I do. He does a lot of like uh, cool cuts uh, and animations, which I'm I don't have the skills to do. Yeah, I only just learned a week ago how to do transitions, um, and then I went mad doing transitions in in one video. <laughs> I think a TLDR of Minifysics is that it's a guy who draws stick figures to explain a sciencey topic in a stop motion style with jazz music as a backing. Right, the jazz music, yeah. Yeah, okay, now, so then if you describe Artifexian, it's kind of like a guy draws stick figures, right, in a stop motion style to explain kind of sciencey topics with jazz backing. Okay. If you take away the fact that it's animated and you take away the jazz music, you've got a huge chunk of XKCD. Oh, as in I'm very much like XKCD. Both of you using stick figures to talk about sciencey topics. Yeah, that that's actually very true, yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine I'd imagine Henry must have been inspired by XKCD a little bit. I just I think just about every nerd on the internet is subscribed to XKCD. So I want to have a discussion about how we can move artifacts in away from being almost identical to Minifysics. Okay. All right. So the first thing, the most glaring thing for me, I think, is the jazz music. Yeah. Okay. So at, at some stage, I'm going to need to remove the jazz music. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I have tried this loads. All right. There's, this is a hugely problematic thing. For a number of reasons. One being that I can't just use any music. You know, I don't want to have YouTube being like, uh, copyright infringement. Yeah. So I have to be selective what I choose. So I have to go to the free sites around the internet. Mm-hmm. So uh, Incomplete Tech, I think, is the site uh, by Kevin McLeod, I think is his name. And he basically supplies the entire internet with free music. 
So Ooh. if you've if you've ever watched a YouTube channel that has music, like ninety nine percent of the time it's his music. And so I went through his entire cat back catalog of of tunes, like all of it. I made a little demo clip uh, in between making videos and literally downloaded every song he has and ran it underneath that clip. None of them work. How many songs does he have? Oh, uh, we're like hundreds. And you did all of them. I did all of them. I took a good week to do it. And wow. I did, well, there were some that I immediately knew from listening just wouldn't work. Like kind of like, uh, uh, you know, like really synthy, synthy 80s music just didn't work. You know, yeah. I didn't even need to download it and put it into uh, the video editor. But I would say I downloaded at least a good one to 200 tunes, I'd say. Okay. So I, I've, I have tried to get rid of the jazz music. It's just not working. And so I suppose... I want to ask a question. Do you think I should get rid of the jazz music? First of all, Bill, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I'd have to listen to a bit more or watch a bit more Minute Physics to, to kind of pick up on the similarity. But I quite like the little tune that you have at the moment. You know, yeah, I've, but... I've, got, I've gotten used to it. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people have gotten used to it. But then, I mean, like, you can get used to something else. That's true. And if it stops people going, this guy is the exact same, um, um, I think I've... it might be a good thing to change. Have you considered, like, recording something? Have Like, me writing something? Or, like, recording, like, something that's in the public domain? Yeah. Like, you, 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 you and, like, your brother or someone? Yeah, see, the problem with that is the quality is going to be ridiculous. Like, ridiculously bad. What, what recording equipment do you have? Like, the mic that I have here is perfectly good for recording music on. Yeah, so we've we've tried recording some some music uh, with the mics we have here. Yeah. And it's it's all not very good. It's all very roomy. You get a lot of room in it. And even with, with my limited edi- editing skills, I can't get rid of all the room. Right. Uh, and it sounds really amateurish. Okay. Like, proper amateurish. Um, so that we tried that out. That's not really a thing. And the problem with that is my brother is a jazz bassist, right? Yeah. So it'll be really heavily jazz orientated and really heavily bass orientated, which is exactly what the music of Minophysics is. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, you're kind of throwing away one thing to put in an equally problematic thing. How about like some something electronic? Yeah, so I, I'm open to anything really. Um, it's just that what I've been able to find on the internet free and in the public domain um, just didn't work. I, I don't mind what music it is. It could be bloody I don't know, uh, Renaissance music. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it kind of it works. So I, I would like. I think I I need to change that. And I would like to put out a bit of a call to the internet. If anyone has any skills in writing music, please write some music. And this also goes for you, Bill. If you if you ever are interested in doing this, sure. Um, I would love to write some music. So I'm going to really quickly pitch this at the internet and you. If it could be a 30-second loopable track, okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 30-second loopable track that is whatever genre, as long as it fits, obviously. And this is a really key point I've noticed from scouring the internet. If it's in any way sparse, it does not work. Okay. And I didn't think that. I My natural tendency was to think that the less music, the better, as a little filler. It The music has got to be really busy like surprisingly busy in order for it to work because otherwise it sounds like there's just these huge gaps of of audio in the in the video. Mm. So, 30 second loopable track of really busy background music would be ideal. I just haven't been able to find it. So, dear internet, if anyone writes music, 
please try and send something to me because that would really mean a lot because it would go loads to distancing Artifexian from Minophysics. Okay, cool. Yeah, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So that's, that's point number one, the music, which is probably like the easiest to fix. Now, point number two is the stop motion. Yeah. Okay, so this is problematic, all right? So even if I were to change everything, right? Like everything. Bookkeep the stop motion. It seems like that's pretty much Minophysics's thing. Right. So I think I'm going to have to keep it, but in keeping it, you know, I'm I'm tying myself down. Like, I don't know, what's your thoughts on this, Bill? Like, uh, would you would you like to see a style change? A radical style change? Would you concern yourself with this? Am I overthinking things? That sort of thing. I, I'd expect... I suspect you're overthinking things. Um, okay. Now I've I've got a bit of a weakness here, and that I like things to be sort of consistent. So I'd I'd really like the idea that it had the sort of the same aesthetic from the beginning, and kept it the whole way through. Right. Okay. Rather than like changing a year and a half in. Okay. And then like changing again. That that's just me and my obsession with form. <laughs> to be honest. Um. No. I mean. I think it it serves really well for what you are doing. And I'm sure there are other people who, who do it a lot. It's, I'd say that even without minute physics having existed, this would be a, an aesthetic that would come up a lot on YouTube because it's, it's accessible and yeah. it requires, like it, it doesn't require a huge level of artistic skill the way to fully animate something would. Yeah. It's a technical thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a nice balance of those different skills. Yeah, and it also doesn't require a hell of a lot of knowledge of, say, After Effects, like digital animation. Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's it requires, I mean, and this is to no way denigrate your work. I mean, it's, it's you, 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 you make brilliant content, but it's it's all stuff that's quite accessible in, in different fields. Yeah. Do you See, think that's, that's a fair that's, comment? Yeah, I think that that's my feelings towards it as well. Because, again, I've thought long and hard about changing it up completely. Mm-hmm. And anything I thought of made it less accessible. Yeah. All right? And and, and as well... And uh, made it dif- more difficult for you. I just about to say, it, it, like, it ramps up the production process something serious. So, like, one of the thoughts I had was that I would do a mixture between me being on screen mm-hmm. and the hand drawing. So basically, I would record some sections where I would be talking in person behind a green screen. Okay. okay. And then, like, chroma key me onto the, the whiteboard sort of thing, you know? Okay. So if there's any bits where, like, you know, th- there's been times in Artifexian where I've been like, I don't really know what to draw. You know, like, if you're doing a little introductory comment, like, what do you draw for a little introductory comment? So during those times, I would pop up on screen, like almost like a Vsauce type thing, mm-hmm. and then go away and my hand would take over, which I thought was cool. But that, I tested it like slightly. That that makes production so much longer. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have to essentially film twice. I have to film film the green screen, take out the green screen, overlay the green screen stuff on the regular video. And it's like, I don't think, like even if that were the distance myself from metaphysics it means that people will be getting a video like maybe once a month yeah you know and then like the internet doesn't like that like the internet doesn't like that cgb gray for example only puts out a video once every month you know so 
so there's problems there. And then I thought of like um, doing, have you seen the Nerdist thing? I don't is, think so, no. Is it Nerdist? Is that the channel Nerdist? No, better example. Have you seen Vsauce's Thought Glass, Vsauce 2? No. Okay, so uh, Vsauce 2 runs a, a series called Thought Glass in which he stands behind a pane of glass and draws what he's speaking about on the glass. Right. Okay, which is kind of like a, a sort of a step up from, you know, paper animation or whatever. And yeah. again, that involves investment on my part and time, which which would set back production, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a tricky balance between being unique and still being able to get out um, get out videos in decent time. But then you're not being unique. You're, you're just doing Vsauce instead of doing Minute Physics. Oh, right. No, no. I, yeah, no. I would try and do it in a non-Vsauce way. Like, that's just yeah. a different form of doing it, you know? Like, like for example, the Vsauce thing, uh, he will... Oh, he doesn't... No, actually, no. He doesn't draw. He puts up, like, vinyl. He sticks it on the glass. And then animators afterwards animate after... Animate the object after he stuck it up. Oh, okay. So, whereas I would, like, draw on the glass. And, yeah. and the problem with that as well is that I'd have to try and speak whilst drawing. And if anyone... Yeah, the people it adds a list- whole performance element to it. Exactly, yeah. And, and then I have to dress nice and it's like, oh, God. Um, but And if anyone listens to this podcast, everyone will know how verbally incontinent I am. And this will take, like... But we many- like you anyway. But, oh, thanks, Bill. I'm not sure if that's the sentiment of the entire interweb. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but this would take hours and hours and hours to do and it would slow production completely. So I think... I think I'm going to have to stick with the hand, the stop-motion hand. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think there's any anything wrong with it, really. You don't think it's a bad idea, no? No, I mean, they... Like, yeah, people might say, oh, you're, you're trying to be v- you're trying to be minute physics, but you, you aren't. You're just... There, I think there are other reasons that you're exploiting a similar creative space. Yeah, I think can so you tell? Well. Can you tell that I, I, I studied a sort of a liberal art in college, Edgar? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's great. Like, we use, we use, like, really snobby words so often, like, like aesthetic and things like that. It's like, oh, sometimes I cringe when I say it. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. And I think um, changing it up will be more problematic than keeping it. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, this is me just thinking on air and getting your reactions, okay? So bear with me here, listeners. Um, then I thought a defining characteristic of his style is the stick figure. Yeah. Okay? So perhaps I could keep the stop motion, but get rid of the stick figure. Yeah. Okay? Because, I mean, like, for example, Vihart's stick figures are much, much different than Minifizics stick figures. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, you can immediately tell them apart and you can immediately go, that's um, that's Minifizics. No, that's Vihard or that's Minifizics. Whereas with Artifexian, if you were to put an Artifexian stick figure next to a Henry Reich Minifizics stick figure, you it would be a hard time telling the difference. I mean, as I said, I think you can tell that there is a difference, but... I think you can tell the difference globally. You know, overall, like, as in, like, I draw things differently and I make use of the space more or less than than Henry. We do things a little bit differently, but I think in isolation, just one stick figure against another one, I think you people have a hard time telling. Right, okay. I, I could be wrong, but that's just, that's just my instinct. So I was thinking about getting rid of the stick figure. Okay? Controversial mm-hmm. as it is. Get rid of the stick figure. And because this is sort of like a speculative science channel, putting in a little alien character. Okay. 
So having like the Artifexian alien, which is like, uh, we'll, we'll get to the picture in a second, but which is which is like the stick figure from Minophysics, but different. Different enough that it's mine, but similar enough that it harks back to what has inspired me to do the channel. Yeah, okay. And so I, before we started recording, I sent you a picture, Bill. You did. I did. I sent you, and I'll link this in the show notes. I sent you a picture of many little aliens. Mm-hmm. So, Bill, you have the picture in front of you there, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay, so do I, right? Let's talk about this picture. Again, for people listening to the podcast in audio form, go into the show notes, click on the link, and you can have a gander with us, okay? Yeah. All right, so what do you think of all these little stick figures? The or all these, little, all these little aliens? Anything spring out? Anything that you think looks stupid? Anything you think looks good? Um, I think simpler is better. You think simpler is better. Okay, so what would be an example of simple? Um, okay, see the... See, like, in, in the middle of the of the page, there's the one with the sort of the... Uh, is that the Belgian flag or the German flag? I can't remember which is which. It's the German flag, yeah. The German flag. Okay, so if you go, like, diagonally down to the left, that yes. one there. I, I really the, like that one. With the two with two tentacles. With the two antennae, yeah. With a two antennae, yeah. Oh, you really like that one? I really like that one. I don't like the one right above it because that's a lot more complex. It's got a lot more going on. Okay, like it's all right. got the little rays coming out of the out of the antenna and stuff. Right. Can I tell you my my uh, reasoning behind all the design decisions here? Yes. Okay. So clearly, it's a stick figure. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a bowling pin figure. Yeah. Well, it's a stick figure with a fat belly. Okay. You know, so th- that was the whole harking back to metaphysics. Um, so the reason for the bowling pin belly is that very often the stick figures, the stick figures have two functions in the artifacts in videos. One is to say stuff, so speech bubbles, and two is to hold up signs describing what's going on. Yeah. And more often than not, these signs are things like flags or IPA symbols. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I thought to myself, there's no need to have the sign. Okay, like that's just extra drawing, right? Why not make them really fat like a Teletubby? And whatever it is they're showing, put it on their belly. Yeah. Okay, so like if I'm saying like, oh, in Ireland, uh, one cannot get licorice. The little, or one cannot get decent licorice. The uh, little stick figure or little alien will have an Irish flag on his belly as is shown here. Yeah. So I, th- I, like, I like that idea. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, cool. Because it saves extra stuff and it gives me more space to draw on the page. I think that's a goer. Mm-hmm. Um, then the the antennae or the antenna was so that if I say something like, here's an idea, uh, it can go yellow, as in like a light bulb. Right. Or if I say like, be careful, world builder, don't use this equation to do something, the little antenna will go red. Okay, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah, and now I I agree with you. The little rays are are a bit much, mm-hmm. um, but just that the little ball on top will get coloured. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I was thinking that it was if that was a constant thing, it's too distracting, and no design like the the audience won't care what your design philosophy behind it is. But that that you know you're using it as a, a sort of a, a occasional or a topical thing. Yeah, I yeah. Makes so sense. so do you think that's okay? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, now my favorite of these, all right. Like, there's a lot of train wrecks on this page, right? But my my favorite is, if you think center of the page... Yeah. ...and the very, very topmost figure. 
He's completely black and white, and he has the word equation written very near him. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think that would be final design. Okay. Okay. Now, that's obviously minus the color of the, the antenna and the flag on the belly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking that. What do you think? Yeah, it's good. I Personally, I, I quite like the, the slightly more uh, bulbous feet rather than the thin lines, but that's... Really? A little bit, yeah. Oh, okay. Because they were one of the things I got rid of. Um, I didn't like them. But that's interesting. I'll see what the what the listeners think about this. Because, mm-hmm. um, again, I was, I was trying to make it stick figure E, but not stick figure. Yeah. yeah. So, if the Artifexian world, Bill, was populated by one of these aliens and not the Minophysic stick figure, do you think that would set up a sort of thing that is uniquely Artifexian? I- I'd like to think it would. I suppose so, yeah. It would kind of... You'd be... Um, using a bit more of a visual brand, and you'd be, which would be a separate thing to what Minute Physics does. Yeah, so I, I suppose if we do that, like if we fill up the world with with a different type of character mm-hmm. and replace the music, then you're. Be- I think I'm beginning to move away slightly. Great. Slightly. <laughs> oh God. Um, I love the way as well. People like are like, "This is metaphysics." Well, I'm like, "Hang on, metaphysics doesn't speculate on like you know." Um, the nature of donut planets or, or things like that. You're like, well, this is a speculative science thing, whereas metaphysics is like hard science, you know? So uh, is there anything else I uh, want to add to that? No. Do you have any other suggestions, Bill? Anything that you can... If I were to go, I need to change this. What do you think? Well, I mean, are we talking solely about the domain of the videos? Because I'd be like, I'd point out that... Or I'd ask whether metaphysics does a podcast as well. Uh, well, Minophysics, yeah, that's kind of a weird one. Um, Henry has been on podcasts before. Yeah. Uh, and his like his videos are available in like kind of a podcast format on iTunes. Oh, okay. So where people like, you know, go onto iTunes and listen to us like in audio, people can go onto iTunes and listen and watch the videos. Right. But that's becoming a kind of common thing amongst... Well, not common, but it's becoming increasingly more common amongst YouTubers because they're looking to diversify and not have all their eggs in one basket with regards to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Because YouTube is making some... This is a total tangent, but YouTube is making some really worrying decisions at y- the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and then people are getting very, very scared and trying to move away in case YouTube does something truly detrimental. So yeah, you uh, Henry Reich does have something uh, in a podcasty e format, but he doesn't have what we have. Yeah. So we are. I mean, I know that doesn't necessarily help if people, you know, a first time viewer comes across your video and says, "Oh, well, this is just minute physics," but there is a difference there, and there is something. Yeah, and I mean, like, there is a big podcast label at the end of the video. So I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I would hope that people would see that and go, "Oh, look, there seems to be a little bit more to this." Um, I don't know. Does Henry Reich have a sweet beard? Uh, he has he has a beard. Um, it wasn't quite as uh, massive as mine. <laughs> Although I've since cut it now. I don't have I don't have a big beard anymore. That's ah, still there though. It's it's still it's still there. I I can't not wear wear a beard. I look I look a little bit like an alien actually. I have no chin. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero chin. You know you know you know the picture from about a year and a half ago where you shaved your beard and dyed your hair black. Can you, um, can you put oh, that yeah, in the show yeah. notes? <laughs> Do you want me to link that in the show notes? You see, no, like, I'll link it in the show notes, that picture. That's not that bad, because I had, like, five o'clock shadow. But if I'm, like, freshly shaven, it looks horrendous. <laughs> so bad. 
So yeah, I, I don't think I'll be shaving in a long, long time. So yeah, uh, Henry Reich, yeah, does have a beard as well. <laughs> Which is great. Oh, Lord. And th- th- this really bothers me, this topic, Bill. It really bothers me because... Because, I mean, like, the like one of the main things people talk about, and they talk about at the Google event uh, we talked about before, is being unique and not being just a um, a cheap imitation of. Um, and from the outside, artifacting is a bit of an imitation of metaphysics, which is which is worrying. Mm-hmm. You know? But there you go. So I might I'll open up to listeners as well. Uh, I'll have a like, look at the link in the show notes to these aliens. I'll circle the one I think is final design. Let me know what you think. And if there is some like positive feedback and it's like it's a goer and all, I will try and implement that in the next video after this is released. Great. Uh, and then you can sit there, Bill, and worry about how the form has not been uh, consistent throughout. <laughs> I will. That'll keep me awake at night. <laughs> or maybe maybe I could take the stick figures and like just really slowly evolve them over a series of videos so you don't actually notice them growing the big, like, bulbous belly or, and the antenna. Or level them up, like, or, like, kind of Pokemon evolve them. Or po- Pokemon evolve them, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and have an entire video dedicated to uh, the evolution of... Yeah, no, no, begin the, like, biological exo... Um, exobiology section with how aliens evolve from stick figures. <laughs> be great oh uh, another point I meant to say on the st- uh, stick figure thing you see the picture again Bill um hold on I've closed it I'll open it once more come on yeah opened yeah so on the picture there Bill you see the alien that is entirely red over at the right with the question mark for an antenna with the question mark okay so do you remember I said about how they hold how the stick figures currently hold up little signs mm-hmm and uh, I said it was like flags and IPA and all that. Another one also commonly is the question mark. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the idea of the little antennae f- effectively functioning as a sign, except without, you know, there be borders to the sign, like the little ball turns into like an exclamation mark or a question mark and things like that. Or an interrobang, as I've seen you've written slightly above and to the right. Have I written an inter- Oh, I've written an interrobang. Yeah, that's true. Or an interrobang. Yeah, I might try and work that in. So what what's thinking of that? Is that too busy? No, I think that's good. You think that's good. You th- so you're okay with the idea of the uh, light bulb on the antenna acting as an emotion indicator and yeah. as a sort of like question mark exclamation mark. Yeah, I just think like my idea about simplicity was I think just the base idea should be as simple as possible. But then, you know, you you obviously you change and add things to that as required to convey other things. Right, right. And oh, and also, another thing I want to say, uh, what's your opinions on stick figures with faces? No. No, why not? just don't like them. I just don't think it works. Um, Vihart. It's too busy. Oh, like in general, it can work, but the, like the one you ha- you've given there doesn't work. And you haven't had faces so far. I had a little bit. A tiny, tiny little bit. And then I, I realized I, I don't know how to do faces very well, so... Yeah. Well, well, I think there's your answer. <laughs> well, well, I can I can spend time practicing, obviously, you know. Yeah. Um, like I don't know if people realize this. I actually there is some videos where I have to spend time practicing how to draw, mm-hmm. um, quite a bit. Like there was one I think it was in the colors video. Yeah, it was in the colors video when I oh I'm gonna get this wrong because I can't remember what I said. Uh, I said that fish are tetrachromats, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they have four color receptors in their eyes. I, can't, I hope that's right. But in any case, I had to draw a fish. Uh, and boy, did I not realize that I couldn't draw a fish. 
<laughs> like, like I, I spend, I spend a good, like maybe good, maybe half an hour, forty five minutes running over like endless series of fish until I was like, no, okay, that that looks like a fish. That's good. Which is which is just mental. Okay, cool. Right. So, um, I think that's I think that's about all I needed to ask you, Bill. Yeah. Well, I look I look forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And and listeners, please please do leave some comments. Anything that you think would help uh, distance artifacts in from metaphysics would be really really uh, helpful like seriously helpful um because people won't click on this if they stumble across artifacts and randomly they won't click on it and go oh, it's just an imitation they'll be you know they'll be more inclined to stay around and mm. that means more viewers and that means more videos so you know it's a win-win for everyone sure is okay cool all right bill i think i think that's about us so yeah fair enough man you're um, a devil for fucking google when we're talking do you know that yeah. i could never do that as, as incoherent as i am usually if i were to try and google whilst talking oh god like you'd get a word every five minutes or so 